Our lesson this morning is from John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, Stir up your holy power this day and come. Send your spirit into our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our ears, that we might hear a word for us today anew, and that we too might then live out that which we believe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I have some sympathy and I think empathy for our friend Nicodemus. In fact, I uh, kind of wonder as I was reading the story for today if he kind of sh- drew the short straw from the temple leadership and was the one who was assigned to go visit with Jesus in the dark about what could be done about what just happened. The scene before we get the scene with Nicodemus is the scene at the very beginning of John's Gospel where Jesus enters into the temple during worship And he forms a whip out of some cords that he finds there and he drives out all of the animals and he angrily turns over the money changers' table, causing an enormous ruckus and an enormous amount of confusion and conflict with the temple leadership. At the end of this disastrous scene, he threatens to tear down their beautiful temple, their beautiful church, and then says, I will rebuild it in three days after they all know full well it's taken years to build. I, I sort of wonder if Nicodemus drew the short straw 
And he was the one who was sent by the Pharisees and the religious leaders to go and see, to just go and see if maybe they could smooth things over with Jesus. And what in the world just happened? Maybe we could find a solution that will work out for everyone. What are you doing, Jesus? I don't know. Maybe he drew the short straw, or maybe he volunteered. Or maybe he was actually curious about Jesus. The story doesn't actually tell us anything about the inner motives of why in the world Nicodemus goes and visits with Jesus. It's just the little bit about him coming at night in the Gospel of John is seen as at least a little bit sinister. In John's telling of Jesus' story, darkness isn't good. Darkness is blindness. It's misunderstanding. At some points, it's even willful ignorance and resistance to God's love and to God's light. And when Nicodemus comes, it makes no mistake that he is coming not during the beautiful sunshine of the morning, but he's coming at night. It's a tip-off that coming in the night is something that isn't quite, there's not something quite right. And in fact, it's not a conversation out in the open. It's a conversation that's supposed to happen behind closed doors. It's hidden from view. In the way John tells the story, coming at night gives it the air of sneakiness, suspicion, and even secrecy. Now, when Nicodemus arrives on the scene, like any good negotiator, Nicky D starts off with flattery and an attempt to level the playing field with Jesus, who has just so angrily burst through the temple. Like any good Negotiator Nicodemus starts with flattery of Jesus. He says, Rabbi, teacher, we know you are from God because who in the world could do these signs and wonders without being at least connected to and knowing God? We know who you are because we know what God is like and you must be from God and therefore you and I are the same. I think Nicodemus, in some ways, when he approaches Jesus, thinks he's coming for what he thinks is a little mano a mano, a little man-to-man, heart-to-heart talk about what's just going on, only this isn't an even playing field. This is mano agado. And it doesn't take long for Jesus to see right through Nicodemus. If Nicodemus comes full of certainty about what he knows about God and what he knows about life and who Jesus is and what he's trying to accomplish at this little late-night closed-door sit-down, Jesus very quickly disarms him, turns him inside out, upside down, spins him around, and takes him over. Reading the story, it's a bit like shining light into the darkness. Nick's certainty gets hit with the bright light of Jesus' love, truth-telling, and honesty. And by the end of Jesus' first statement, which is a question, Nicodemus' response, his certainty, is washed away, drowned in light. He suddenly doesn't know where he's standing or what he's doing. He gets all turned around. And to be honest, I imagine this to be the case whenever anyone comes face to face with God. You get turned around. You get disoriented. Our humanity is suddenly on full display. Our fragility, our vulnerability, our blurry vision, and our inability to see particularly clearly. With just a few questions, Jesus confuses Nicodemus. 
and not in a mean way, but in an invitational sort of way, a wise teacher, wise rabbi, loving parent, or concerned coach kind of way. And if Nicodemus, I think, would have gotten it, if he would have understood what Jesus was trying to do, if he would have grasped for just a second what this interaction was actually all about, I think all Nicodemus needed to do or to say was to tell the truth, to admit that he was human, confused, humility, human, humble, human, fragile, finite, limited, and often blind. In some crazy way, letting go of our certainty and admitting we don't have all the answers is strangely freeing. If Nicodemus came filled with certainty, he leaves with confusion, and in some ways, in doing so, in entering into the truth of who we are as humans, it's freeing in a way that knits us together and reminds us the truth of who we actually are. It may be one of the most holy and human things to do to admit we don't know it all. Now at this point in the story, Nicodemus is just utterly confused. And then Jesus starts talking about the spirit and it's like the wheels just come off. And if you've read the story, this is my experience, I felt the same way. I have empathy and sympathy for Nicodemus as I read the story because as Jesus starts to interact with him, it's like all the wheels just fall off. And well, I didn't have a whole lot of wheels in the first place, so when they fall off, which is strange, when Jesus starts talking about the Spirit and the wheels come off, usually the way I think of God's Spirit and God's love is in this way. It's comforting, it's love, it's forgiveness, it's gratitude, and it is. The Spirit blows sometimes and I hear it. Like the breeze in the trees and the birds on the wings of the air, every once in a while I catch it. And I have a little song, right, that I sing in my head. God is great, gives me chocolate cake. I'm so glad, God's my spiritual dad. The spirit is the bomb, she's my holy mom. And every once in a while I hear it, I'm grateful and gratitude and full of compassion. And sometimes, I'm filled with God's spirit and I love my neighbor and I love others and I forgive myself. And then sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I hear the sound of love on the breeze and the wings of the birds of the air on the, on the wind and my breath spews out jealousy, anger, and hate. Bummer. Human again. And it's the spirit that actually reminds me that from time to time, I am prone to hiding in the darkness. It may just be that one of our most faithful confessions is to say, I'm not sure. But from time to time, I both experience and I feel and live out God's love. It's conviction not certainty. It's confession and testimony that somehow includes within it this crazy notion when Mary first sees Jesus at the tomb, I have seen the Lord, which seems so absolutely ridiculous, and she knows it. 
and yet convicted of it. It holds open the door in conviction that there may be something that we don't actually see and that there is more to learn. Conviction, not certainty. It's belief that includes disbelief and even some doubt. Because it seems to me that the opposite of faith isn't doubt or disbelief or questioning. It seems to me actually that the opposite of faith is certainty. In the end, it appears that Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus has Jesus and God's desired effect. When Jesus is finally arrested, Nicodemus will be there, arguing that Jesus deserves an actual, real trial instead of the sham that he ends up being put through. And when Jesus is finally laid to rest in the tomb, Nicodemus shows up with what is the amount of a ridiculous pile of burial spices. Is he, is he coming as repentance? A sign of love? A sign of respect? A sign of hope? Jesus' love and light confused Nicodemus. And apparently it turns him all around, inside out, up is down. Darkness is light. In the end, after reading the story once again, I have some sympathy and empathy for Nicodemus. Because in truth, I think he's a lot like you and me. Confused, loved, and sometimes captured by God's love, light, and hope. Amen. Oh, this is so bad. <laughs> All right, here we go. My name is Nick E. D. Yeah, you know me. I got a PhD. Yeah, you know me. In religiosity. Yeah, you know me. I am a Pharisee. Yeah, you know me. I'm so smart, you see. Yeah, you know me. Got a PhD. Yeah, you know me. In religiosity. Yeah, you know me. I'm filled with certainty. Yeah, you know me. Got a PhD. Yeah, you know me. Name's Nick E. D. Yeah, you know me. I come at night sneaky. Yeah, you know me. Jesus to see. Yeah, you know me. My name is. Nicky D. Yeah, you know me. I come at night sneaky. Yeah, you know me. I'm filled with certainty. Yeah, you know me. Played a trick on me. Yeah, you know me. Got turned around indeed. Yeah, you know me. Now all confused I be. Yeah, you know me. Gone is my certainty. Yeah, you know me. Get so grumbly. Yeah, you know me. Then I leave so humbly. Yeah, you know me. I better finish, because otherwise, why bother to write the rest? Well, yeah, please do. My name is Nick E.D. Yeah, you know me. My name is Nick E.D. Yeah, you know me. Gone is my certainty. Yeah, you know me. I leave so humbly. Yeah, you know me. Gone is my PhD. Yeah, you know me. Gone is my certainty. Yeah, you know me. I leave so humbly. Yeah, you know me. Now, Jesus, I see. Yeah, you know me. He still loves me. Yeah, you know me. Now, Jesus, you see. Yeah, you know me. He still loves me. Yeah, you know me. He still loves us. Yeah, you know me. He still loves us. Yeah, you know me. He still loves we. Oh, that was really terrible.
Excellent dancing. Okay, so you might not remember Nicodemus, but you might remember the horrible rap about Nikki D.